Okay, take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4, good to have you here today. Thank you for staying around. How many of you have ever worn a uniform? Maybe for a sports team, you're on an organized sports team, or maybe at a work, uh, at a job, maybe in the military. You wore some type of uniform that identified you as part of a, a group, all right? I did. Uh, I, sports, I did several times. I also worked at Domino's, so I was a Domino's guy for a while, all right? That many years ago, so I wore a uniform there. And we, if you wore those uniforms, you understand what it's to be part of a team. In fact, when I was part of a team in high school, I had this sick letterman jacket. It was really cool. I was the coolest guy around back in the day. This big jacket. That have, did you have a letterman jacket? All right. So we, we all had these. We had a big letter for my school. It was Heritage Christian School. So I had a big H there. And I had back on the back said basketball. On the side it said Holland. You know, I had all these things. That, and I would wear that to the mall. And everybody know that I went to Heritage Christian School. And it was almost the same colors as a, a non-Christian school, a big non-Christian school in our area. And they had big letterman jackets as well. We Walk and you couldn't tell if they're one of our guys or one of their guys from a distance until you got closer and you could tell it wasn't one of our guys. Usually, because we had a very small school, but I wore that Letterman jacket. I wore it proud. Uh, I, I identified with that team, and we understand what it means to be part of a team. Well, the church is more than a team. The Bible calls it a body. All right, so it's different than a team. And if you're saved and you have uh, decided to make Bible Baptist Church a place for you attend, then you're part of that body. And so you are part of the body that identifies as Bible Baptist Church. And uh, we're excited about that. We're talking about that here in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, let me illustrate this. Pastor Yeomans, would you stand up for just a minute? I get Pastor Yeomans to stand up. And if I can get Zoe. Zoe is not with her family today. She's over here. Zoe, would you stand up? All right. That's as high as she gets right there. All right. So that we have these two people. Which one is more a part? of Bible Baptist Church today? Zoe, Pastor Yeomans, or both? Both, right? We have totally different roles. I'm glad Zoe's not the pastor of our church. I'm, actually, maybe not, but it'd be a good boss to have, right? Today's coloring day. Today, ice cream, right? All right. But she's not the pastor. Okay, you guys can sit down. Thank you. Totally different roles. We have all kinds of roles and responsibilities, but Zoe is just as much a part of the body of Christ as Pastor Yeomans is. Yeah, different roles, different responsibilities, but part, yeah, so we're all part of the body. And that's the idea. We, we all belong. If you're saved, you have a place in the body, and you've chosen to come to Bible Baptist Church. And some of you are members of our church, and some of you are attenders of our church. It doesn't matter. You've chosen to worship here as part of the body of Christ known as Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas. And we're thrilled for that. Uh, but as part of the body, let me ask you a question. Are you walking worthy of that calling? That's what Ephesians chapter 4 is all about. The first verse asks that question, or says, that we should walk worthy of the vocation that we're called to. And that's talking about the body of Christ. Are we walking worthy? The idea of worthy means that it, your, uh, how you live is fitting of who you are. Uh, have you ever put on a shirt and it just fits just nice? You know, it's perfect. I, I went shopping with my wife in the States not too long ago at Kohl's. And the more you know, the more you Kohl's. And we went to Kohl's and we got this deal on an Under Armour shirt. And I put it on and it just fit nice. I, 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 this, this feels good on me. I don't know why, whatever it is, but it felt good. And uh, it just fit. And sometimes that happens and my wife washes it and I put it back on. And it doesn't fit so well, right? You understand? It's just not fitting. And sometimes after Christmas, things don't fit so well after long holidays and stuff, right? And we understand how that is. We know what it's like to have something that fits and something that doesn't fit. 
And so Ephesians chapter 4 is talking about behavior that is fitting for a member of the body of Christ. And so that's you. That's me. And we talked about several things here. Talk about getting along, first of all, having unity in the body of Christ. And we talked about getting involved, our diversity, how we all have gifts, and we're supposed to use that to build the body. And today we're going to see the last part of this, uh, of our worthy walk, is getting right or have, being pure, purity. Let's start in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. So he's going to talk about our lifestyle, our walk, how we live. And he, he's running to a group of believers who's primarily Gentile. Right? They're, they're not Jews. That's what Gentile means, not Jews. And so they've been saved and they're primarily Gentiles. He said, don't walk like you used to walk. Don't walk like somebody who's not a saved Gentile. And so there's a different way you're going to live, different way you're going to walk, uh, and we're going to talk about those things. Let's have a quick word of prayer, and I'll get into the outline here and try to be a help to you today. Father, thank you for our time together. Please give me the words to say that would be uh, beneficial in this time. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So we see here, first of all, uh, changed principles. If you're part of the body, if you're saved and you're part of the body, there are changed principles that we'll see here beginning in verse 17, 18, and 19. A principle is a foundational truth that governs your behavior. This is what you, it's a foundational truth, but it governs your behavior. I'm a, that man's a very principled man. He lives on high principles, and he has a governing truth that affects how he behaves. And so he's talking first here about the principles, the beliefs that would affect our behavior. Let's look down at verse number 18. Let me stop at the end of verse 17. Don't walk as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of their blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with, greedy, with greediness. Let me get, stop there and kind of explain these words here, these principles. So how the, you say don't walk like you used to walk, not in vanity, it says, not in, not, not in emptiness. There's, there's, a, there's purpose for life. If, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I don't know what the purpose of life is other than to enjoy life and be the best person you can. But in the end, there's really no purpose in life. But I've been saved since I was 11, so I understand there's a purpose. So I, I, don't, I shouldn't walk in vanity. I should walk with a new purpose, not in darkness, uh, not, not in being able to see in, in darkness, not in ignorance, it says. And so he's saying, if you're not a, a believer, you're walking in vanity, you're walking in darkness, and you're walking in ignorance. And ignorance is not a, 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 a bad term, it's just that you don't know. Like There's an old saying, you don't know what you don't know. And so if you're not saved, you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you don't understand that there's eternity in heaven, you don't understand, that you don't understand the principles of the Bible, you can't be held responsible for that. You're just walking in ignorance. And every person that would have heard this letter read to them in the, in the church at Ephesus would know right away, oh, I understand that. Just six months ago, I was walking in darkness. I was walking in vanity. I was ignorant that there was a Jesus that died on the cross. I didn't know that, but now I know that. So it's very clear to them what he's what he's talking about. For us, it's difficult sometimes. Like for me, it's difficult because I grew up in a church and a home where Jesus was always talked about and always believed. I was, I've never been ignorant of Jesus. 
There's a time I didn't trust him as my Savior. I'd never been ignorant of it, though. I knew about him, I knew, and I believed that he was real. And so it's kind of hard for me to identify, but every person that read this letter or heard this letter at the original time would know, okay, I get that. And, and Paul's saying, so don't walk like you're still in vanity. Don't walk like you're still in darkness. Don't walk like you're still in ignorance. Don't walk like you're in, still in blindness. Again, idea of, same idea of darkness, being blind. We're all blind without Jesus Christ. Um, not in lasciviousness. Again, big word that we don't often use. Uncontrolled lust is what it means. Is that not a mantra today? Like, do what you want to do. If it feels good, do it. And live it up and live your truth, right? That's uncontrolled lust. And even in the last couple of Sunday mornings, Pastor Leo has been talking about the cost of discipleship is like uh, disciplining yourself and dying to self. And so Paul's reminding them, you don't walk in like this uncontrolled lust, doing whatever you want, whatever feels good, do it. It's different when you know Jesus, it's different when you're. It's different when you're part of the body. You, you, the, your way of thinking has changed. Everything filters through the idea that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Let's look down at verse number twenty. He says this, but ye have not so learned Christ. He said that's what Christ has taught you. Christ didn't teach you to live that way. Years ago, we had some friends. I think Ruthie knows this story. I, I think. Uh, this is back in the day. We had a, a pastor friend, and I think, don't correct me if I'm wrong, just let me tell my story. But I think that one of the, the kids uh, in this pastor's family used a bad word, swore, said something. And the mom and dad and the child were there, and they're kind of in this, the heat of the battle and trying to correct the child for using this bad word. And I think the mother said to the father, well, he didn't learn that from me, indicating that he must have learned it from the father, Right? Who did you learn that? Where'd you learn that swear word from? Well, you didn't learn it from me. You must have learned it from the dad. Well, Paul's saying you didn't learn to walk in emptiness and vanity from Jesus Christ. That's not where you learned it from. That's how the Gentiles walk. That's how you walked six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, before you realized that Jesus Christ died on the cross and was buried and rose again and changed your life. And, and so walk differently. This is, but it's all about principles. It has to change in your mind first. It has to change in your belief. And it has to change your perspective, right? Look at verse number 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And so, have, what, how have you learned from Christ? Uh, it talks about re- being renewed in the spirit of your mind. The re- renewed is re- renovation. I know all about renovation now. We just renovated the house. I know all about gutting things out, tearing things out. And the Bible says, as we get, when we get saved, our way of thinking needs to be renovated. All the Old principles that we used to live by don't count anymore. Our principles now come from the Bible. Uh, there's more to life than what we used to live for. And so living our life from a different perspective. And so changing your principles. But a change in principles always produces a change in practice. Your, your belief changes the way you practice. And so now we're going to get into one of these classic sections of the New Testament. Almost every letter in the New Testament, these uh, Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, has this section where it's put off, put on. Put off is recurring. It's important. It tells us exactly what this looks like when you leave here today and you go through your life from Monday through Saturday. And even on Sunday. What does it look like for a person 
to live a principled life based upon the fact they know Jesus Christ, how does that play out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Well, it's, it's all throughout the scriptures, and here we have a classic list of put on, put off. So let's start up. Uh, we'll look at uh, verse number, we'll start where we left off. Verse 22. And ye put off, concerning the former conversation, your former lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's the idea of renovating the way of thinking. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness unto true holiness. So we're going to say put off and put on. Verse number 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Classic. We are, we are changing our practice from lying to truth. Lying to truth. We're, there, there's no place for lying in the body of Christ. We ought not to lie one to another. It's just very clear. You've taught your kids not to lie, but sometimes we teach our kids not to lie, but yet as adults we lie anyway. We don't want to be lied to by our kids, but we can lie to somebody else. We can lie to our boss at work. We can lie to other people. Lying is not part of the practice. Why? He says your member is one of another. When you're lying to somebody in the church, you're lying. It's like lying to yourself. It doesn't help anything. We all understand you can lie to yourself, but that's neither healthy or helpful if you lie to yourself. Can I tell you? If you lie to somebody in the body of Christ, it's not healthy or helpful for you to lie. And so I'm not making this list up, but Jesus said, or Paul says, put away lying, speak the truth. That's one exchange you ought to make. Put off, put on. All right, the next verse. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. All right, interesting. We had this discussion in our small group not too long ago. Be angry and sin not. So we're going to exchange selfish anger for righteous anger. Selfish anger for righteous anger. So what does that look like? Is it ever okay to be angry? The answer is yes. Several times in the Bible, Jesus was angry. When Moses came down off the mountain and saw the, the calf that they were worshiping, he was angry. He threw the, the tablets down. He was angry. There, there are certain times and places it's okay and right to be angry. How do you know when it's okay to be angry and when it's not okay to be angry? We, you can't be the judge of that. Because we always give ourselves a pass. <laughs> well, this is, this is one of those times where I'm supposed to be angry. Well, let's, let's look at it in Bible terminology and see if we can uh, figure this out. Uh, in fact, I was asked this question in our small group. I didn't have a great answer, but I think I have a better answer today. So selfish anger. What is selfish anger? Anger that comes when uh, that violates your rights. Selfish anger is when something violates your rights. Someone cuts you off in traffic. Someone... Uh, is paying cash at the till and counting out quarters in front of you. All right? I, but I'm busy. Like, uh, somebody says something about you behind your back. Somebody, you didn't get treated fairly. You should have had that promotion and you didn't get it. Oh, I'm so, I'm, I'm mad. I'm upset. We use all kinds of words. I'm steaming. And we go on and on from there. Why are you mad? Because your rights or what you wanted didn't happen. You got violated. That's selfish anger. That's not good. So 
Why are you angry? Well, figure that out first. What's making you angry? If it's something that only applies to you and violates yourself, that's not good anger. But what's the good kind of anger? Righteous anger. Okay, here's what I think the difference is. Righteous anger violates the glory or holiness of God. Is, is God's holiness being infringed upon? Is God's rights being... So why did Jesus get mad in the temple? Because someone had turned the house of his father, that should have been a house of prayer, into a house of merchandise. The glory of God and the holiness of God and the name of God was at stake. That's different. Why did Moses get upset when he came down to the mountain? Because the people had turned from the true God and worshipped a false God. And so the name and the glory and the holiness of God was at stake. And he was angry about that. So I think when we stand and we're upset and we're angry because God's holiness is being infringed upon, it is a perfect time for us to be angry. And ang- listen, anger never should not lead to losing control. Losing your, Jesus did not lose his temper in the, temp, in the temple. He chose to act in righteous anger. So losing your temper and spouting off and, and unleashing on somebody, I'm going to pour stuff on somebody else, that's not right. Being angry, righteous anger, there's a time. So I think that's helpful. We can look at those things. And here, I think the overall arching thing in, in this passage is this. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath and don't give place to the devil. So what does that mean? Deal with it. Deal with your anger. Are you angry about something? Is there, do you, anger is an emotion that, that comes up. Have you ever been so angry that like, angry, you just feel it boiling inside you? Like, oh, all of a sudden you went from zero to 60 uh, that fast and you, you can't control it? Well, stop and deal with it. Why am I angry? Is it selfish or is it righteous? All right, deal with it. Analyze it. And if it's something that you need to act upon, then you act upon it. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Don't let anger fester and control you. Have you ever met an angry person? Like they're angry at this and angry at that. And they're angry because the dog did this and the cat did that. And they're, ang- they're kicking the dog and they're mad. At the- they're angry at the world, right? Have you met someone like that? You know what happened? Something happened or events happened and he didn't deal with it and the anger began to control them. They let the sun go down on their wrath and they gave place to the devil. And the devil gets in that way. He'll turn your anger over an event to a, 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 an emotion that controls your life. And it'll be turned to bitterness. And it'll, it'll rob you of joy. All because the devil got his foot into your life. Don't give that place to the devil. Deal with anger. That, that's, the, that's the principle here. So don't be a person that just spouts out or, or holds in anger. And I'm angry at this and angry at that. Analyze your anger and then deal with it. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Great wisdom from Paul here and great wisdom from God's word. All right. Next one. Let's look down. We're in verse number 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to them that needeth. All right. So we're exchanging here. We're changing, putting off stealing for sharing. Stealing for sharing. And I've taught this before, these lessons. I always put, you know, trade stealing for working. But there's more to it than that. Look at it. It's not just that you trade stealing for working. You're trading stealing for sharing that you may have that you can give to those who need. So it's even one step further. So what's stealing? Let's define it. Very clearly, stealing is taking something that's not rightfully yours, right? You didn't. Somebody else worked for it. Somebody else made it. Somebody else found it. Somebody else did something, 
and you walk in, you take it. Whether it be an idea or plagiarism, or, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to steal. Something that's not yours, but you take. It's not rightfully yours. They did all the work. They, did, they figured it out, and now you take it. Taking something that's rightfully yours. What's sharing? This is, this is good. Sharing is giving something that is rightfully yours. You worked. You did, the, you did the work. You saved your retirement. Everybody else was you know, going out and enjoying vacations, and you didn't do that because you wanted to save for retirement, and you had this nest egg, and now you have this. You rightfully own that, and you choose to give it away. That's sharing. So he says, don't steal, but make sure that you're sharing to them that need. And sometimes I think in these put off, put on, put off, put on, we're good at the put off part. <laughs> But maybe we're not good at putting the on. Oh, yeah, I would never steal from anybody else. I worked hard for my stuff, and I would never take somebody else. They're working hard for their stuff. I would never take what doesn't belong to me. But are you good at releasing what you have? <laughs> See, that's also part of what he says. Put off, but put on working hard so you can give to those who need. Be willing to share it. So both sides is this life of, a, of the body of Christ that we should be in as a church. Hey, church, we have worked hard to be where we are financially. How many were here when we had um, a mortgage? Remember those days? <laughs> it wasn't too long ago. We worked hard to pay that mortgage off. We worked hard. How many are here when we built this building? Not very many of us, but there's a few of us. We worked hard at that day after day after day, night after night after night. And you work hard for it. But you know why we're in a position as a church now? We should all be making sure that we're sharing what God... It's not about, well, we worked hard for this. No, we worked hard so we can be sharing and sharing and sharing. Be a giving, sharing people. All right, let's move on. Next one. We're down at verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers. I put it this way in your notes. Put off demolition for construction. Your words will either tear down or build up. Corrupt communication has the idea of rotten. Uh, the corrupt is rotten. It, there's, no, it, it, there's no foundation there. It, it eats away from the inside out. Don't, don't let your communication be rotten. And it gives some other details there. But use your words, for, your words for edifying, building up. When you come to church, do you come to the body of Christ seeing who can I encourage? Who can I build up? How can I, help, how can I, uh, how can I add to the service? Uh, you're not preaching. Only two people preach today. But all of us are communicating and edifying. Fellowship time. We have built in a half hour of pure edification time and encouragement time. Do you take advantage of that? Are you edif or are you tearing down demolition for construction? We're going to skip down here real quick then to the last one, verse 31. Well, let's read verse 30. I won't spend much time there. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed with the day of redemption. Lots of truth there. Just going to have time to, to dig into that. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, there's lots in that verse to unpack. We won't do that for time's sake. But I put it this way. Retaliation for forgiveness. See, those words about 
you know, how you evil speak against somebody and you show malice towards somebody and, and, uh, and all those things are things you do towards somebody, retaliating, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. That's all, that's all bad things that we focus on somebody else in retaliation. And God says, don't, don't retaliate. Forgive. Be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So instead of showing, instead show kindness and forgiveness. Why? Because that's what Christ did for us. He forgave us. Be a forgiving person. Lots to learn there. Lots of things to put off and put on. These verses describe the worthy walk of the member. How do you want, you want to be a model member or model who, a member who's walking worthy of your vocation? Get along with everybody. Use your gift and get involved and get right. Be in the process of putting off things and putting on the right things. Are you walking with a renewed mind or do you still have a mindset of somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ? We're not living for the here and now. We're living for eternity. It's a whole different perspective. And we looked at five different practices that need to change. Would you do me a favor this week? Would you look at that list one more time and ask yourself, how am I doing? How am I doing with not stealing? Well, no problem there. How am I doing with sharing? Well, how am I doing with not tearing down with my words? Well, maybe I have been a little critical lately. How are you doing about edifying? Well, I haven't been really active in doing that. Don't you remember, a while back we had Pastor Levier here, and he talked to us at one session about you know, being active and involved in encouraging somebody on a regular basis. Being intentional about that. How about you? So look at that list again and ask yourself, am I walking worthy of the calling of being part of the body of Christ? And then go back in the whole chapter and ask yourself, is there anybody in the body that I'm not getting along with? What am I going to do about that? Do I have a gift or a talent that God's given me that I'm not using for his glory? I better get involved. We, 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 need, we need help. We need workers. We need, there's lots that needs to be done. Uh, we're just talking about other things today that, we, oh, could you use somebody to do that and somebody to do that. And even in our hospitality to, to get things ready uh, for snack time. We have a few ladies that do that. Some of those ladies that do that do lots of other things. And there's some ladies probably in our church that don't have a ministry that could say, no, I could do that. Putting things on a plate so it's ready to go for snack time. You know, just jumping in and filling in, using your gift. If you have the gift of hospitality, if you have the gift of teaching, you have the gift of uh, edification, those things, use your gift for the Lord and then be right. Work on putting off and putting on the mind of Christ. Be renewed in your mind. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Our time is done. I know we went through that quickly. But I hope you'll think about those things. Would you please review that list this week and ask yourself, Lord, analyze that list in light of God in your prayer time. Lord, reveal to me, am I lying or am I telling the truth? Am I stealing or am I sharing? Am I building up or tearing down with my words? Let God reveal in your heart how you can walk worthy of the vocation that you're called to. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the word, the challenge that it brings to us. And Lord, I pray that in this week we would look at these verses again and be ready to follow you. Thank you for the challenge from your word today about being a disciple. 
totally committed. Not perfect, but totally committed. So Lord, I pray we take these things and use them this week that your name might be honored and gloried. In your precious name we pray. Amen.